Honorable members, honorable members, order. Switch on the microphone. Switch on the microphone. We are rising on a point of order. On a point of order. The microphones must be on. Welcome to Politics Unmuted, where our microphones are never muted and we turn up the volume on all things political. I'm Konika Hunter, the politics editor for News24. And I'm Lisa Gatandwa, the politics reporter. My name is Peter Detoy, I'm assistant editor for In-Depth News. Coming up on today's episode, we'll be talking about some of the big political stories of the year. Guys, it's been a long year. It has. It has been a long year. Um, it ended up with an anticlimax, if, if I may say so. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's been a, a very, very long year with COVID-19, with the politics that have been uh, happening in the country and outside of the country. And, you know, I, I'd wish, I wish that we could say that next year will be a little easier, but I think that we are set for a but very But let's not talk year. about next yeah. year just yet. I mean, everyone is feeling the burnout and it's it's really um you know all of us in fact probably you guys were listening and looking forward to the end of 2020 covid 19 has taken this country in a whole new direction has taken the world really in a whole new direction and it doesn't bode well for our future particularly um we don't know what the world is going to look like this will be our last podcast of the year. We'll be taking some time off, taking a breather before we hit the ground running again in the new year. And uh, both of you are going on leave first, right? Next yes, week. yes, yes. Can't wait. Uh, and we'll get get away from politics and news. So what's the plan? Not reading. Not reading news, at least. Reading fiction. Getting away from everything. You know, binging. (laughs) Staying away from Twitter, Facebook, and binge watching series. Deactivate your notifications from the News24 app. And and now the problem is, you know, I'm I'm halfway through the Obama book, which I'm really enjoying, but it's it's not light reading. It's tedious. And now now when you're going away, I think, you know, should I finish it or should Uh -uh. I just go back to some other trashy novel or binge watch? Uh, breaking Bad again or something, probably. <laughs> that that that's a good idea. I I just finished The Crown. That was the best thing I've done for <laughs> for my for my sanity. Liz, what, what's your plans for December? Um, I I I haven't really had uh, a concrete plan yet. Safe to say that I will be just relaxing in my couch, watching whatever guilty pleasure that I have. I usually watch uh, Real Housewives. No oh, one, no. No one must judge me. It is my <laughs> it is my guilty pleasure. So that's I'm sure I'll be binging on anything that isn't serious or, or heavy. Hmm. Let's start uh, this podcast with the most recent political developments, and that's Monday's Judgment, it, really a landmark judgment in which the public protectors report on... Um, on the so-called rogue unit at SARS was set aside by the High Court in Pretoria. The court found that public protector Busisiwim Kobane, in the court's own words, allowed her important office to be used to try and resuscitate a long-dead fake news propaganda fiction. That's what the court said. Peter, you've, you've written a column on this, and, and really, is this finally the end of the road? Why was this judgment important? It is the most comprehensive and sweeping legal uh, judgment position on the status of this uh, SA Revenue Services High Risk uh, Investigations Unit. Uh, the unit which became notorious after the Sunday Times published fake news, 
uh, by, by, by that newspaper's investigative unit. And that became part of our political lexicon. It was jumped on by uh, numerous political foes of SARS, of, of uh, the political heads of SARS, of, of the, uh, those in charge of the high-risk investigations unit. And between 2014 and 2020, um, we saw this fiction being maintained. And we're still seeing that fiction being maintained, especially by independent media who still continue to say that there is a, a unit at SARS that has gone rogue. Uh, but to get back to your original question, the importance of this is it swept uh, off the table everything about the so-called rogue unit. It explained in uh, chapter and verse um, what the unit is. So we've seen the unit being weighed up in front of a high court, not only a, a single judge, a full bench of the high court, three senior judges. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is this is probably the worst court judgment delivered against Pusisewa Nkwebana. And we didn't think it could get any worse, right? Exactly. After, after the APSA, what was uh, the, the Reserve, Bank Reserve Bank judgment? Against the president as well. Yes. So she's had some terrible judgments, um, judgments in the past where the court has, for example, said it's clear that she doesn't understand the law. Uh, this time around, the court went even further. Like you just said, she was used for nefarious purposes. She had she she allowed her office to be used. Now, the question is, who used it? Obviously, you know, complaints laid by Floyd Chivambu, the EFF, we know what their political and ideological stance against, uh, for example, Praveen Gordon Saar's uh, National Treasury is. Um, so that's the one thing. The second thing is that she lied to the High Court. Um, she, for example, said she's in possession of a report by the Inspector General of Intelligence, uh, or she initially said she did not have possession of the report. Then she admitted she does have possession of the report. And according to the law, you make yourself open to prosecution in that case. So she's in deep trouble. There's a parliamentary process ongoing at the moment, looking to remove her. This will give it impetus. Um, but but the two most important things, you know, the rogue unit narrative, surely it's gone now. Uh, and secondly, it's given impetus to um, Kwebane's enemies to, to get rid of her through the parliamentary process. And Lizeka, I mean, it was classic uh, Busisibam Kwebane when the judgment dropped. Her response was, Oksalai. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I'm actually reading her statement that came out uh, shortly after the judgment. And it's interesting that she says that she will obviously uh, look uh, into the, the the judgment more extensively. But uh, what interests me is that she says uh, that she took note of the court's decision to strike out some of the vitriol that uh, Minister Gordon directed at her in, in his litigation. Uh, obviously, Minister Gordon, we know that he had um, uh, questioned her competency and her legitimacy. So it's interesting that she focuses uh, on the tidbits and, and not the scathing uh, uh, way in which uh, the high court, much like every other courts that uh, her judgments have been appealed uh, under, that uh, I mean, she's always at at such a uh, at the losing end, and the kind of judgments that befall um, to her are really it it, it really questions um, whether she is competent to run that office. So it'll be very interesting to see what uh, comes out of Parliament during um, the review on whether she should she's fit to hold office. The the, the court judgment, and and if I can if I can if I can carry on where where Liz left off is. Is, is 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 sweeping it's not it's not a it's not a a a, 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 a very close loss for Busisem Kobane. I mean, the court was. Um, the it was court, not narrow in no, any way. No, it wasn't. I mean, the yeah. court took off the table. The, the court criticised and 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 took off the table all the reports and documents and reviews and panels 
on which uh, she based her report, saying that they are all uh, unreliable, untrustworthy, and 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 unlawful. You know, Sikakane, KPMG, the uh, Inspector General's report, all of them are. She cannot rely on it. So so it means that the report that she that she issued uh, is unreliable and, and unlawful and was set aside. And um, there was an interesting bit in the judgment, uh, Peter, where 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 the the court had said that. She didn't even provide mm. an alternative yeah. Yeah. to the evidence that was put forward by, yeah. for example, one Johan van Lochenberg. It's a very good point you make. I mean, uh, she she said Ivan Pillay, who was deputy commissioner of SARS for many years, um, responded in detail to uh, the, the the different communications from the public protect public protect the notices, the the preliminary report, uh, the notice of the preliminary report, and provided uh, her office with documentary evidence uh, and and testimony under oath. Uh, the same with von Lochenberg provided documentary evidence and testimony under oath. And that was just disregarded. And that was disregarded and swept off the table. But no one else uh, came forward to put forward a different alt- uh, narrative, a different story. You know, the EFF was specifically criticized in the court judgment saying that they rejected von Lochenberg and Pillay's testimony. But didn't give an alternative. But didn't give anything yeah. else. You know, the only the only uh, version of events under oath in a high court was that by Pillay and von Lochenberg supported by reams and reams of documents. And the court says it is inexplicable. The public protector, according to the Public Protector Act, needs to keep an open mind and needs to uh, conduct an independent uh, 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 and, and, and logical uh, investigation. According to the court, this did not happen. Um, so, so again, I mean, if you look at the totality of all the court judgments against uh, over the last, what is it, four years, three or four years, you know, it's um, it's 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 untenable, I think, for her to remain in that position. And remember, it's such an important position in constitutional democracy. You cannot have someone in that position if that person has been discredited to this degree. And there was obviously a, p- a personal cost uh, order against her, as was in, in numerous cases before the Constitutional mm. Court mm. also weighed in on this, and the majority mm. judgment mm. Um, actually uh, ruled in favor of this. So there's no way that any yeah. other court is going gonna, is gonna to find differently on that punitive cost order against her. But just a few weeks ago, you remember when the CR17 case, uh, 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 her report was now challenged in the Constitutional Court, there was an interesting statement that was made by um, lawyers for the president, where where uh, was it? Vim Trengrove that said that that she had this narrative, and she basically needed everything to reach this already predetermined conclusion. And it didn't matter whether the facts backed up that predetermined conclusion. For her, this was money laundering. It, to the point that it didn't even matter mm. whether the, the the act that was cited, mm. whether it was poker or poker or whatever it may be, um, whether that backed up the final determination, and that for me was a real indictment on 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 her office. But 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 what you see now is just her supporters rubbishing the judiciary mm. now, and it's mm. going to get worse, Liz, because. Mm. She is now, there's obviously a panel, a, a three-member panel, uh, a former Constitutional Court Justice, some top lawyers that have been put together by the Speaker of the National Assembly to deal with her impeachment. There's also a process uh, in court at the moment, and then there's the, 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 the process to dispar her. So there's all of these processes, but it's making, among her supporters, it's making her this, this, this victim of this broad conspiracy, as we've seen over and over and over. But do you think 2021 is going to be the year that there's some there's some sanity that prevails in that off that very important office. 
I, I don't think so. I, I don't think there's going to be sanity that prevails in that office. I mean, as you've said, you've, you've listed the kind of um, the, the litigation that she has to go through. Um, and I presume that it's going to take most of the year for, for, for that to happen. Uh, what we do know about the public protector is that she, she does thread in the political line. She, she has been known to be uh, somewhat factional in, in, in how she runs her office. Um, it's going to take a while. I don't see it. I don't see that office being um, her being removed or at the beginning or in the middle of the year. I think that it's going to be uh, quite some time for us to see some sort of change in that office, which is very critical to our democracy. Someone, though, needs to give a proper legal advice and say, look, this is the end. Because what we've seen, the pattern in the past is... You think she, she needs will, to resign? She, well, she, well at, no, no, at the very least, not appeal this. Mm. You know, because what's going to happen is she's going to ask leave to appeal from the High Court. That's going to be denied. But that's a legal process. She then needs, it's going to go to the you court. Know, then it's going to go to, first to yeah. the Supreme Court of Appeal. Yeah. They're going to reject direct access. Yeah. She's going to apply for direct access. Then go to the Concord. So there's immediately three, four, five legal processes uh, surrounding this judgment that she could potentially exhaust but that again will cost taxpayers money millions of rand in in legal fees and briefs um, and she's gotten very bad legal advice and she and the thing is you you've gone through this road on 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 apps you've gone through it on, on, on now on CR 17 mm. you've been through it mm. so so you learn your lesson and move mm. along mm. lick your wounds and move along mm. but I mean um, beyond this um, obviously this week we cannot not speak about COVID-19 and that's because it has obviously filtered its way to the political landscape. There has been obviously unprecedented powers that were given to government under the state of disaster. Now let's just go back to March and, and, and sort of appraise how government or how, how the political spectrum played out in terms of, of the state of uh, disaster and, and its, its impact on, on, on COVID-19. Peter, what is your analysis? If you cast your mind back to the 15th of March when the president delivered his first address to the country that Sunday evening, um, you know, the world was in a state of flux. We didn't know exactly how this virus uh, was spreading. We saw what was happening in China. We saw what was happening in South Korea. Italy was a total mess. We saw it was starting to spread very quickly in New York. Um, and those are all first world countries with uh, functioning health systems, uh, departments of health. Um, and I, you know, my assessment now, obviously hindsight is a perfect science, but I do think initially, you know, the president and government and the state reacted responsibly. Um, you know, with the, with the information at government's disposable disposal on the 15th of March, um, the, 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 the advice and the argument from the epidemiologists and the virologists and the experts was, Let's try to minimize the spread of the virus by limiting people's movement so that we can buy our, um, you know, our struggling health system time. And, and I think our initial response was spot on. Um, what happened after that, you know, a month or two or three after that, you know, the picture changed. And I think South Africans, um, rightly so, are frustrated by the way the government's handling this. And I think the PPE corruption was was a major turning point in people's um, people's uh, approach to the virus and the way that they gave government space and, and a wide berth to intrude in their personal lives. When because we saw you squandered the, the, yes, the, the goodwill, goodwill yeah. that was given because it, yeah. was, it, it was purely in good faith yeah. that you say, you know, you, you know what you're doing, so, do what you, and then you squandered it. So we'll, we'll, we'll adapt our lifestyles because government has 
proven now for the last couple of weeks at least that you know they know what they're doing but once money started being stolen again you know then i think people were angry they got angry and i think like you say goodwill was uh, goodwill was uh, goodwill was wasted what were what was your impression of president sol ramaphosa lizeka during this entire crisis this year I I completely agree with Peter. I think he has um he had or has tried to maintain some sort of uh um uh stability uh and civility in the country. Um I had a little I had quite a, a number of questions about the president and how nonchalant not really nonchalant um let me say how uh, naive he was about um covid-19 uh corruption or the 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 really fans corruption how mm. it would spread uh, how yeah. how quickly it would spread and you I, remember the, the warnings mm, ahead of the money people mm, saying they're going to steal yeah. and then he said no 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 mm, don't worry and exactly. you know we wanted to believe it exactly. and as we speaking now the auditor general is 2.4 billion that, did, that is, yeah, can you see that yes, I can see 2.4 billion that has I was wondering why you were so it's it's yeah that's it's quite interesting the the auditor general is um holding a a, a press briefing as, as we are recording this um and there's a slug that says an estimated 3.4 billion has been recovered so i'm not sure if 3.4 billion is enough so how much was how much was state capture how much did we lose from state capture a billion <sighs> more than a billion but but it's it's in that range isn't right. it right and I now mean, and covid corruption literally yeah. was just a few months and it's way more than that mm. right what, what what's been what's been what, you know what what covid has done um it's it's exposed the failings in a in a in a creaking government in a in a creaking state we knew you know i remember so well when uh, the budget was delivered in february we were in a hole then mm. we were in a fiscal hole where mm. there was they were you know we were uh, the, the the big issue of the time was state owned enterprises and the public sector wage bill was dragging us down into a fiscal hole then covid hit and then it, it exposed the rot in so many government departments you know it it really exposed the the extent to which state capture and poor governance has eroded mm. service delivery over mm. the years i mean our our, our education we need to we, we can talk for hours about education i mean you, you and i are both parents you know you've got children and and suddenly the the whole schooling system mm. came under pressure mm. the health system came under pressure policing came under pressure metro police mm. came under pressure so covid exposed mm. a lot of fault lines mm. i would argue do you think the the political space in terms of party politics is not what it was when we started the year that's an interesting question um i think yes and no can i can i can no, i just, yeah. <laughs> yes. so so question. so i think much is the same right but i but i but but in terms of 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 the bigger picture of how things work but i i feel like what covid has done or what 2020 has done is that it really has changed uh uh the face of politics party politics as we know it in the sense that um the anc the anc is at a point where it's accelerating its own demise mm. uh the the da is purposely actively uh you know lifting its hands off the wheel uh, uh and we can talk about why is that um the eff is how bent if it took sustain the metaphor mm. into driving into traffic mm. do you think this was this was exacerbated by by the the current uh, yeah i think created an identity crisis for political parties yeah. and so what happened is is just they they wasn't there wasn't that unity of of 
you know, a Jacob Zuma or, you know, or a state capture or whatever it may be. But they didn't know how to respond to this, did they? I mean, how do you remain relevant? Yes, in, that's, that's it. In a, in a space like this where, I mean, if you, if you think back to those first couple of weeks of lockdown when we were all cloistered in our homes, uh, worked from, from, from home, um, but there was no movement. You know, there was nothing happening. You know, they, you know we, the only thing we were reporting on was uh, infection rates, yeah. um, you know, hospitalization rates, mortality rates. That was the big thing. And political parties struggled to remain relevant in that period. Um, you know, when you are the governing party, that it's, it's a little bit easier because you're in government. You've got the state as, as your main marketing vehicle, as it were. Um, but I think you're right in the sense that parliament fell away. Uh, parliamentary committee, you know, the parliamentary mm. process w w was in effect suspended for months um, on local government level, the same thing. So I think you've got a very good point there. I, I disagree with you for, 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 for to, to some extent when it comes to the DA. I, yeah. think, I think John Steenhazen did a very good job of in the beginning. remaining. Mm. You think in the beginning? You know, what, I, what do you I tend to agree with you. you know, mm. I, I'm agreeing with you, but, but mm. finish your point. But mm. I, but I, I, think, I think he's done a, a very great job, unlike uh, Julius Malema, who, I mean, there was, there was the, the yeah. strategy of the EFF. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah. what, they had a, a book, uh, I think they had the, a, yeah, the book readings the book every readings week, yeah, every on week, Facebook. That was, was about it. Was, yeah, which was about it, all the mm. odd um, press statement. But I think in terms of um, John Steenhazen, and mm. obviously it was also coupled with him trying to to remain relevant in order for him to to, yeah. to gain the spot that he has now as the leader but i i, I really think that the da did its job very as well mm. as the opposition i have to agree with you um you know mm. if, if you th the, the first couple so. of weeks no no i agree with you liz i think the first couple of weeks they they played the role of a loyal opposition you know they, they supported the president mm. in the beginning they said look mm. Unlike now, but they in the beginning they said the lockdown is the right way to go. We support the president. Um, you know they they met the president a couple of times, and I, and I think they tried to offer advice. Mm. But you know there you know July August when things started spiraling out of control and people started getting frustrated with government. I think people were getting tired of politicians mm. in general. Yeah, but but at the same time, they, I mean, there they is the 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 you know what what happened parallel to to their response to COVID nineteen is that the the DA going through its own mm. sort of the turmoil. Yes, in the sense that um, you know it took its I think you know unnecessary position in relation to race. Uh, relations. It was John Steenhazen's uh, election, whatever happened before, and then the aftermath from that. And I think that, I I may be wrong, but I think that the DA will take a long time to recover from 2020. Well, if you look at the those those imme those very recent by-election results, which which the party had tried to spin, you know, we've seen Helen Zeller try to spin. If you drill down, and mm. look, the, the the fact is, it 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 was a poor electoral year for the mm. DA. Mm. Um, you can't get away from the from the raw numbers. Um, they might argue otherwise, but you know, they lost certain wards where which they held for quite a number of years. So so they were shocked in that sense too. We are moving towards a municipal election the next year. That's going to be the big test for the DA to see whether they have recovered uh, a semblance of support. Uh, if you look at what happened in Northwest, Swazirianica, they did not recoup the support they lost yeah. uh, a couple of years ago. So, you know, the, the, the more, um, uh, the, 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 the softer stance they took uh, to, 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 
to uh, voters that they wanted to get back. You know, I don't know if that's working. I also think that we, we have to be mindful of what, where the DA wants to go, because even though we talk about whether what the DA needs to recover, but what exactly does it want to recover? Maybe it doesn't want to recover. Yeah, maybe, it, right, yeah. It, maybe it doesn't want to recover. Yeah. Or if it does want to recover, for instance, you just spoke about Northwest and, and, and mm. those votes, those critical votes mm. to them. Mm. And also we have to look at the EFF as well. I mean, the EFF, is it... Uh, is it where is it heading? But, but let me pause you for a second there, Liz. Do you think that the the irrelevance that the EFF had in the initial part of the lockdown and of COVID-19 is what propelled them to just be so guns blazing in terms of, of just finding a cause in relation in relation to race uh, relations and, and, and what we saw around Senegal and the Clicks mm-hmm. Hair protest? Mm-hmm. Do you think that it was just like we need to be seen and we're going to do it at all costs? I don't know if that's simplistic, but yeah, I'm putting I, it out there. <laughs> I, I think it is simplistic, but I do think that it's it's quintessential EFF politics to jump into Black Lives Matter, to jump into Senegal and cliques. Uh, I would have found it very odd if Julius wouldn't have made a big hoorah about yeah. uh, cliques and and Senegal and, and Brackenfell. Um, but I, I do think you uh, he did realize that he needed to leverage something out of this year. He had a very slow year, and, and, and that is unlike the EFF, for the EFF not to have some sort of relevance. Obviously, there wasn't parliament where the parliament becomes their theater. So I, I, I do think it's... it's 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 not as simple as that, but I think the EFF managed to, I don't know, I, I, I don't know, managed, they, they kicked off this, their start was very slow, but somehow they, they managed to uh, bring them back, pull themselves back. And then the one other thing that we have to talk about is the economy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any more ideas left. Kunita, yes, the economy has been, it's, it, it should actually alongside COVID be our biggest story. And you guys reported thoroughly and very, 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 very in-depth, uh, in an in-depth way about the NEC meeting over the last couple of days. And, and it was all about leadership and Ace Mahashule. But, you know, the, the issue front and center in all South Africans' lives is how to, how, to, how, to, how to eke out a living, how to maintain a livelihood, uh, and how to not get sick. Yeah, that's actually 2021. How do we eat? Uh, how to? Where do we get a living? And let's yes. not get sick. That's basically what the ordinary person and, is dealing with. And when Tito Boweni delivered his budget speech in February, the big issue was ESCOM. You know, maintaining and keeping the lights on. Um, how are they going to break up ESCOM into three different entities? Uh, the future of SAA. You know, should SAA fly or not? The public sector wage bill because we're in a fiscal hole. Um, Moody's shortly after that and Fitch downgraded us even further. Um, you know, all three ratings agencies are now we're in, we're in junk territory uh, under all three ratings agencies. We entered COVID-19 already on a losing weekend. Yes, yes. Um, and in this in, in, in this period of COVID-19, we saw SAA being recapitalized to you know, 10 and a half billion rand. Uh, but when the emergency COVID budget was passed, you know, they took money away from the Department of Health. Um, you know, we, we reported this week about about South Africa missing How the crazy deadline is that? to pay 500 million rand to get into the wow. COVAX scheme to, so that, to make sure get that, that we get vaccines. Yeah. They missed the deadline wow. and we recapitalized the SAA. You know, so it tells you something about, about priorities and it tells you something about Peter Mboweni's political standing 
Mm. Ramaphosa is going to have to pull a rabbit out of the hat when he addresses the state of the nation in February. It certainly has been an interesting year for the country and a politically tumultuous one at that. As always, there's so much to debate and digest when it comes to politics in this country. But that's all we have time for you today. From all of us at Politics Unmuted, we wish you a restful Christmas break. Thank you for listening. This episode was produced by my colleague Catherine Rice. The music was courtesy of Getty Images and Epidemic Sound.